0: Thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. You remember in the Hebrew or the Chaldean language, when an expression is used like that, and three times in succession, for instance in Isaiah chapter 6, Holy, Holy, Holy. Holy is the Lord of hosts. Nothing is in the Bible accidentally. And what the Holy Spirit was saying there is that means the superlative degree. God is holy in the superlative degree. And I believe that God is good in the superlative degree. It is a joy to be here this morning. Dixie and John also would like you to know how happy they are to be here. You know, I'm reminded of the preacher who was preaching, and he was like me. He, he sometimes would go beyond the time frame, and uh, you know how it is. Uh, the clock uh, usually outruns uh, the preacher. And so uh, he was uh, preaching one day, and he noticed there was a visitor there in the audience. And and so uh, uh, he was preaching along, and it got down close to the time, and, and and sure enough, he 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 went over time. And after a couple of minutes being overtime, he came out here and he made a big strong point. And this, uh, oh, don't let that to come apart. He made this big strong point, and, and and this this man said, Pharaoh. He looked at him. He thought. Well, I've never heard that before, Pharaoh. And he's thinking in his mind. He said, "What's that? What is that? What do you mean, Pharaoh?" So he goes on preaching, and uh, he went another f- three minutes, and, and, and over time, and, and this guy, he, he said a little louder. He said, "Pharaoh." He said, "Man, Pharaoh." He said, I, "I've heard, I've had amens, but what's Pharaoh mean?" So he went ahead. He preached a few more minutes, and the guy said, "Pharaoh." So he finished up his sermon. He was standing back in the back, and he noticed this visitor coming out. He said, man, I've got to ask this guy what that meant. He said, I don't know what that meant. So he shook his hand. He said, good to have you here with us. He said, I've got to ask you something. He said, what's that? He said, listen, he said, I've never heard that, what you said in the sermon. He said, I've heard, amen, but he said, you said Pharaoh. He said, what did you mean? The guy smiled real big. He said, let my people go. So I may preach this morning to somebody says Pharaoh. Open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10 beginning at verse 1. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great company or entourage, and with camels and that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. And so Solomon answered all the questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own country or my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men, and happy are these your servants, who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighteth in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Now the queen came to Solomon not to seek peace terms, not to strengthen her military, not for the reason of commerce. She came to satisfy her curiosity. She found it hard to believe that one so young could be so wise. But we must remember that Solomon had been given wisdom from God. First Kings chapter 4, verses 29-31. Sheba, as all others, heard and came to see if it were really so, she—the Bible says she was going to put him to the test. First Kings ten and verse one. She was going to prove him with hard questions. Uh, she also came to receive instruction. First Kings ten at verse two, and the Bible says that he communed with all that was in her heart. We find the conclusion to this great interview in First Kings ten verses six. 6- Uh, through uh, 6 and 7, where the queen of Sheba said, Behold, the half was not told me. Now this serves as the basis of our lesson this morning. The half has not been told, as with Solomon, his wisdom and his understanding so superior. And she had not heard one half how great it really was so is it also true of the following. The half has not been told of the love of God. You know, so much has been said, but not even one half of God's love for mankind has been told. God could have destroyed the world as in Noah's day, but he chose the way of love. He loved us sinners in Psalms the 14th chapter and verse 3. This culminated in the sending of His Son in John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We read in 1 John 4 and verse 19, We love Him because He first loved us. You know, it is hard to abuse a love so great, yet men often do. Let us love Him. Let us speak of our love for Him. But more so, let us demonstrate our love for Him by our actions. God loved us and gave His Son that each one of us might be able to have eternal life. God cared for us. God demonstrated His love toward us when He gave His Son. In 1 Corinthians nine, at verse nine, we learn that He cares for the oxen. Man has dominion over the ox. No doubt, God cares for me, and He cares for you. Listen to Matthew six twenty-five through thirty. He cares for the fowls, the lilies, the grass. Oh, how he must care for you and how he must care for me. In Matthew, the 10th chapter, verses 29 through 31, the Bible says the sparrows he notices, the hairs on one's head. Oh, how God loves you and how God loves me. There was a rich man in Boston who married a beautiful woman. He gave her the luxuries of life. But it wasn't long until she fell to the sin of strong drink. One day she went away never to return. This man was heartbroken. He sent men all over the United States searching for her, but she was nowhere to be found. Years transpired, and finally one day this man sat down and he sent letters and pictures of her. He sent her photograph to to funeral establishments all over the United States with these instructions. If her body should come to you, buy the finest clothes, the finest casket, bank it with flowers, and call for me. Once again, years transpired, and finally one day, he was called to look upon her body. And as he approached the casket, and he looked over into the casket, he cried out, Oh, Nelly, Nelly! if you'd only known how much I loved you, you would have come home to me. When asked what to ascribe on the gravestone, he said, Forgiven. That is but a feeble effort to portray God's love for mankind But to a degree, it does. In Luke chapter 15, we see God the Father in that story. God is standing with open arms, outstretched arms, warning and pleading with the wayward child to come home. You will remember the story. Young people, young people, do you know that God runs? Did you know that? God runs. In Luke chapter 15, it says the Father, who is God, He saw the Son, who is the wayward one. He saw Him coming at a great distance. And the Bible says God ran to meet Him. God runs. God loves us. And the Bible says He fell upon His neck and kissed Him. He said, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and he is alive. And they began to be merry. Yes, God wants to be able to say forgiven. But man must obey in order that God can say such. Yes, of God's love, the half has not been told. God's love for mankind defies our understanding. But then secondly, the half has not been told of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. A bloody stream of sacrifices flows from Eden To the cross of Calvary. But the one on the cross brought an end to all sacrifices to please God. Hebrews 10 at verse 10. The offerings of men had fallen far short of pleasing God. Hebrews 10 at verse 4. It was not until Jesus, the Lamb of God, died that God was pleased and forgiveness was provided. In John 15 at verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There are very few cases that record a man dying for his friends. Unusual more so a man dying for his enemies. But listen to Romans 5 and verse 8, but God commended his love toward us And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Many sacrifices have been made, but none like our Jesus made. Thousands of soldiers die. White crosses are erected. Others halt for life. Many die gloriously for their country. They received medals, but Jesus Christ did not receive any medals. His abused, beaten, burdened, and lonely body hanged upon a tree. There has been no other sacrifice that can compare with this sacrifice. Come on, this morning I want you to do something. Come on now, I want you to look up. Come on, look up. I want you to look up and I want you to see Jesus Christ. I want you to use your mind and your imagination. Look up and see Jesus Christ suspended between heaven and earth. Jesus, God's Son. Jesus, Deity. Jesus, the Innocent One, has been taken And they ridiculed him. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They took him and they spat in his face. They took him and they slapped him in the face. They took our Lord and they beat him. They scourged him until his shoulder blades were white caps in a sea of blood. And then they took those spikes and they drove them in his hands and in his feet. And then young people, I want you to listen. They suspended, they took Jesus on that cross and they suspended him between heaven and earth. I want everyone into this audience to listen as Jesus cries out from the cross. Now come on, look up and hear Jesus. He says, Eli,
1: Eli. Lema sabachthaniah. That is, my God, my God, why hast
0: thou forsaken me? And then it is not long thereafter that Jesus said, It is finished. The work that he had come to do had been accomplished. Jesus yielded up the ghost. Volume upon volume has been written. Millions of sermons have been preached. Orators with silver tongues have captivated listeners, but by half has not been told of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But then thirdly, the half has not been told of the happiness of the believer. Of the multitude of blessings that we as Christians have, here are a few of them. First of all, the Bible says that God is our Father, Matthew 6 at verse 9. Now, what does that mean? It means that we can get down on bended knee and we can say, Our Father, or my Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy holy name. What does this mean to you as a Christian? God is our Father. Um, the Bible teaches us in Romans 8 and 28 that all things are working together for our good. Jesus takes even the bad things. God takes the bad things and and lets them, if we're faithful children, it will fall out for our good. Uh, All things work together for good to them who love the Lord, who are the called according to His purpose. Another great blessing we have is, and I love this, uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 10 at verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation provide also a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Young people, I'm I'm sure you've heard this, and I'm sure everybody in this audience has heard this. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I, I just couldn't help myself? It was more than I I, I could handle. There was no way out. It's God's fault. I, 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 I just couldn't help myself. There was no other way. And they're trying to justify their sin. This text teaches us there is no temptation that is too great for us. What happens is we submit to that, we give in to that without looking for the way of escape. But with every temptation, the Bible says that God provides a way out. The challenge for us is to look for the way of escape. Then the Bible says we have have the peace of God, Romans 5 and verse 1. We have the uh, peace with God, uh, Philippians 4 and verse 7. You know, Christians are to be a happy, happy people. We ought to have a smile on our face and a skip in our walk because we've got a song deep down in our hearts. Now, you know, sometimes Christians can look like some of the most unhappy people on this earth. Now, I've been preaching for a lot of years. And, and, and sometimes I look out in the audience and speak. People say, I can't even look like, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, you know, Listen, we ought to be a happy people. Why? We've been redeemed. We've been sanctified. We've been washed. We've been justified in the blood of the Lamb. We're on our way to heaven, the home of the soul. We ought to be a happy people. Somebody says, Well, I'll just tell you, one day I'm going to be happy. You say, Well, when are you going to be happy? Well, when I get to heaven. No, no, God wants you to live the abundant life, John 10, 10 right now. We are to be a happy people. Somebody says, well, Brother DeMar, it's just not my personality to be happy. <laughs> I want to say this in love to you this morning. If you're an individual sitting there and said, it's just not my personality to be happy, you need to change your personality. People need to see Christ in you. They need to see Christ in me, the hope of glory. We are heaven bound if we are in Christ. We have every reason to be a happy people. Happiness belongs to those who are obedient. uh, Happiness belongs to those who are dedicated. Do you know why some in the church aren't happy? Listen, they're just not dedicated. That's what it is. They don't have that zeal. They don't have that fire. They don't have that fervor. And so they're unhappy. They're miserable because they know deep down they're not doing what they ought to do. But the people who are faithful, the people who are obedient, the people who are striving, the people who say, Oh, God, forgive me of this sin I've committed and repent. It's those people that are happy people. You know, I know the happiest people in this church. Mark, I know the happiest people in the church. Somebody said, well now, D. Mark, how can you know that? You're not here all the time. Let me tell you the happiest people here today. I know the happiest people in the Midway Church of Christ are those who are working for the Lord in this place. Those who are, listening to it now, those who are serving the Lord in this place. Those who are serving others who get outside of themselves and reach out to help others. You know, the future reward of Christians cannot adequately be conveyed. In 1 Corinthians 2, at verse 9, But as it is written, Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for those that love Him. Hey, listen, it defies the imagination. Everything that the Bible speaks about heaven, we can't really comprehend the greatness of it. It's beyond the finite mind of man to comprehend it. Yes, the half has not been told of the happiness of the believer. And then, fourthly and finally, the half has not been told of the agonies of the disobedient. Disobedient means not obeying. There are no words more terrible than those recorded in the, uh, the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew, uh, beginning at verse 46. Matthew twenty five forty six, where the Bible says, and these shall go away. Oh, I want to tell you something today. Not a single one of us wants to be in that group where the Lord looks and He says, And these shall go away. Those are horrifying words when it comes to eternity. Disobedient means not obeying. In First Peter, the fourth chapter and verse 17, the Bible says, "What shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Failure to obey the gospel means the loss of every heavenly privilege. Failure to obey the gospel means that you have been disobedient. It means you have not responded in a positive way. Listen, let me tell you, heaven's done everything in order that man might be saved. And if a, if, if a man or a woman dies and goes to hell, they'll have no one to blame but themselves. There's not a single person in this auditorium today that can blame God or man. You can't blame anybody else if you lose your soul. Because it will be a case where you did not respond to the gospel message of salvation. You did not respond to Christ. See, we've got a lot of people today, even some who are in the church, they're just not with it. They don't have that drive and that that motivation to be faithful and to do the right thing. Young people, I want to stress to you, you find out, you look in, in life into your decision, you, you decide what, what is the right thing, and then you pursue it with all your might to do the right thing before God and man. Matthew 25, uh, Jesus it pictures Jesus saying, Come and depart. Heaven is going to be open until all the redeemed of the ages enter in. And then those doors will be shut and never to be opened again. Heaven and hell will last for the same period of time. We're living in a day and age where people say, Oh, Demar, preacher, preacher, preach to me about heaven, the home of the soul, where God shall wipe away every tear from every eye and there'll be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. Preach to me about heaven, this wonderful place called heaven. But, preacher, don't talk about hell. Don't go negative and begin to talk about a lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Don't tell us that there's a place of outer darkness. We don't want to hear it in America today. Preach to us about help man preaching away when we leave here we'll feel good. We'll go get in our car and we'll feel real good. But you know we need to preach the truth. We are to preach the truth in love, and just as surely as there is a heaven, the home of the soul, with all the wonderful things about it, there is a hell for those who fail to accept Christ. None of us are going to be saved except by grace anyway. But you've got to be obedient to have the blood of Christ applied to your life and for God to extend grace and mercy. That grace and that mercy comes only in and through Jesus Christ. In Matthew 21 verse 14, the Bible says, There shall be weeping and there shall be gnashing of teeth. And there shall be outer darkness. My, that's a horrible thought. Can you imagine a man standing here, a woman, weeping and crying until their teeth gnashed together and then being cast into the outer darkness? Now, listen, you young people, the bravest guy out here, the bravest woman out here, and you young people, or the bravest in this auditorium, here's what you do. There's something about darkness that we dread. There's an inner thing about man. There's just something about darkness. Let me tell you, you go to the city of Atlanta, Georgia. I used to preach in Atlanta. And you go there, you go with me at about 2 a.m. in the morning, and you go down in downtown Atlanta, and you go down one of those dark alleyways between those big, giant buildings, and here's what you'll be doing. You can mark it down. The bravest one in here, you'll be doing this. You'll go... There's something in us that fears darkness. And the Bible says that in hell it is outer darkness. Why is it outer darkness? Because it's away from God. It's away from Christ. It's away from the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm reminded of the little boy. They lived out in the country. And if you, and some of you maybe have, uh, you're, you live out of ways, even Here. And, and, and I, I know when, when you live in the country, there's no, there's no lights. When it gets dark, I mean, it's pitch black dark out there. I'm reminding this little boy, he spilt some milk in the uh, evening. It was already nightfall. And his mother said, son a little little boy said, son, run out there and get the mop. It's on the front porch. He smiled. He, he ran out there and he, he opened the door. And all the night noises—the crickets, the frogs, the dark, the shadows, the wind—you know—he scared him to death. And, and they lived in the country, and they had a big uh, room. They had a big long porch, and he looked out there, and the mop was at the other end. He went back to his mother. He closed the door. He went back to his mother like this. She said, "Boy, where's that mop?" He went. She said, "Boy, get that, Go get that! Go get that mop!" so he goes back down to the door he opens that door and he looked out and he went scared him to death he closed the door he walked back down to his mother like that she realized he was afraid she said oh son she said don't be afraid she said God's out there the little boy did like this he smiled eyes got real big God's out there she said yeah God's out there so he runs back down there and he opens the door and he looked at. He said, God, he said, could you please hand me that mop?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, there's something in us that fears the darkness. And you know, in, in Luke, the 16th chapter, we read about the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man had abundance in life, but he had not lived for God. He had not been good. He let Lazarus at his gate full of sores. And you know the story the rich man died. He opened his eyes in torments. The beggar Lazarus died and he was taken by the angels into Abraham's bosom. He was taken into a place of bliss and happiness. You know the story of the, in that. that, In the Hadean world? It is a compartment for the dead until the great judgment comes. And the rich man was able to look across that chasm that you cannot cross over. But he looked over and here's what he said. He said, Oh, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus With a bucket of water. Somebody do like this. That's not what he said, is it? He said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus with a pitcher of water. No. Father Abraham, send Lazarus with a glass of water. No. He said, Oh, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. There's not a single individual in our audience today that wants to die and go to hell. But I want to ask you something. Do you think God wants you to spend eternity in a place like we've been talking about? The Bible teaches that there is just as surely as there is a heaven, just that certain there is a hell. But God does not want any of us. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. God loved you. And He sent His Son Jesus to die at Calvary just so you could go to heaven one day. And so God wants to save all of us today. Yes, the half. Realize this. The half has not been told of the agonies of the disobedient. The half has not been told of the love of God. The half has not been told Of the sacrifice of Christ. The half has not been told of the happiness of the believer. And the half has not been told of the agonies of the disobedient. But what has been told should cause all of us to come and humbly meet any requirement that Jesus might have for us. If you're here today and you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, you've never been baptized into Christ, listen to John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father, listen to it, but by me. Now, don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me today. But I want to tell you something. The only way for you to go to heaven is in and through Jesus Christ. Now, you're a free moral agent. You can just keep putting Him off, keep putting Him off, keep putting Him off, and keep putting Him off. You don't have to obey Him at all in your lifetime. You can die without ever obeying Him, but you'll be lost just as surely as you're under the sound of my voice. That's what the Bible teaches. But if you'll open your heart, You open your mind and your soul and accept Jesus, the Lamb of God, and be baptized every sin you've ever committed. Be washed away in the blood of the Lamb. And if you live faithfully by the Christian life, you continue walking in the light, the blood just keeps on cleansing, and it keeps on cleansing, and one day you'll be justified. He'll say, come, ye blessed of my Father. Come, enter into the joys of the Lord. If you've never been baptized, you need to do that today. You need to do that now. You'll have no one to blame but yourself if you fail to obey the gospel. If you are a member of the Lord's church here today, and you've been playing around with your Christianity, you've just been kind of halfway hitting a lick here, hitting a lick there. You haven't really been... You don't have that fire within you, that, that zeal and the dedication and the fervor that you need In your service of the Lord, we're we're going to sing an invitation. You need to come and say, oh God, have mercy on me. Forgive me. I want to go to heaven when I die. If you're subject to the invitation of Christ, not my invitation, it's Christ's invitation. It's the invitation of God. Will you come today? Will you do it right now while we stand, while we sing?
1: Uh
2: Thank you, Brother DeMar. Just a few quick announcements. Jean Griffith will have her surgery was postponed until Wednesday at 10 a.m. at Baptist Medical Center, Princeton. That is Jean Griffith. James and Marcy Brown uh, are en route to Olive Branch, Mississippi, uh, this morning. Sherry, who is James's mother. Uh, She fell and broke her hip, and we'll have an update on that uh, at a later time. That's James Brown's mother, Sherry Brown. Also, Sam Hood uh, is slowly improving following a stroke, and Sam will be transferred back to Jasper to one of the nursing homes here for a 21-day rehab. Uh, Hopefully, that will happen on Wednesday and his address will be given at a later time. Most all of us know uh, Luther Shepard. He is an employee of Bull Building Supply for many, many years and a friend of many of us here. Uh, Luther passed away on Friday, and arrangements are pending for Luther. As you all know, uh, lunch will be served immediately following our dismissal prayer in the fellowship hall. Uh, please stay and and eat with us at that time. Uh, Our afternoon worship will be at 1 o'clock today, and there will be no 5 o'clock service today. After a song, Brother Jess Crump will dismiss us. Jess, if you will, please uh, offer thanks for the food at that time.
1: When upon life's pillows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. So amid the conflict whether great or small Do not be discouraged God is over all Count your many blessings angels will attend Help and comfort give you to your journey's end Count your blessings name them one by one Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath
2: done. Let us pray. Thank you this morning, Lord, for having Brother Dixie and I mean Sister Dixie and Demar and John come and be with us. We're thankful for their team effort to do